and welcome to episode number 43 of Golf Pod Kentucky. My name is Ethan Fisher. I am the host of this podcast that originates from Golf House Kentucky, home of the Kentucky Golf Association, Kentucky PGA section, and the Kentucky Golf Foundation. On this episode, we have on the newly promoted tournament director of the Barbasol Championship, Mr. Darren Nelson. You might remember one of our very first episodes of this podcast was both Brian Pettigrew, who at the time was the tournament director of the Barbasol, and he has since relocated to Kansas City for bigger and brighter things, and we're very congratulatory of him for that. But Darren's new here, and we talk a lot about what's new with the Barbasol, given its new date change, and just a lot of the different elements that go into making the tournament happen. But it's a good listen, and I hope you will feel similarly after you listen to it. Some things to talk about, though, before we dive into our conversation with Darren. First of all, I want to thank everyone for their uh, participation and listening with the Dream 18 episodes. Also want to, of course, thank David Hill and Joey Sears one last time for being on here. We had a lot of good conversation online after the fact about what we said. Some of you thought we were idiots for some of the things we picked. That's good. That's what we like. Would it be a fun podcast if we didn't have people vouching in with their own opinions? So thank you for those of you who have told us whether we were right or wrong with the various things that we said. I did want to point out, though, that if you have an interest in kind of how everything turned out from what we said, I did the math. And if you took David's course, it would come out to a 6,000-yard par 70 course. Joey's is a 6,500-yard par 71 course, and you might remember I became a big fan of par fives as I learned doing this podcast, and we talked about how shooting 90 at my course would be a good score, and my results don't exactly uh, make that wrong. My course ended up as a par 78, measuring about 7,800 yards, so... If it wasn't clear enough already, just give me a good par five, and clearly I'll be a fan of it. But no, thank you everyone for participating with that and listening. That was a lot of fun to do. All right, moving on. Uh, March 8th and March 9th, those are two big dates here. Tournament registration for the KPGA and KGA respectively open up on those two days. The Kentucky PGA tournament calendar opens for registration Tuesday, March 8th. One day later, on Wednesday, March 9th, the KGA calendar will do the same thing. Come those two dates, you will be able to register for pretty much any tournament you want to this year in Kentucky, invitationals and events you have to qualify for, notwithstanding. Also, some good news happening in March is the fact that our active posting season from a handicap perspective is back on. As of March 1st, we are active once more. It's great news. And as a result, through November 30th, any Round that you play at a Kentucky golf course will influence your handicap index. But congrats, we've officially made it through the offseason according to the USGA's definitions. So welcome to golf season, folks, and let's take full advantage of the next several months. Among the events you can play in during that time frame is a new event that we have. It is called Hope for Heroes. This will be at Oxmoor Country Club on Monday, April 25th. It will be a four-person scramble event with the teams combined of a mixture of professionals, amateurs, and veterans. There will be at least one veteran on each team. Other details are to be determined at this point. But it should be a, a fun event. If you're familiar with polo fields and their event calendar, they've had 
basically this same event in previous years, and now it's coming on to our umbrella as a official Golf House Kentucky event. So we hope you'll consider signing up for it. All the proceeds will go straight to our four PGA Hope Kentucky chapters. As a reminder, those are Louisville at Quail Chase Golf Course, Florence World of Golf, Roots Randolph with Roots Randolph Golf Course, and then Paducah with Country Club of Paducah. Registration for Hope for Heroes, though, opens on Monday, March 14th, and we hope, again, that you will consider signing up. On the junior side of things, again, March is a very good month for good news, and the Kentucky PGA Junior Tour season does open in a few weeks. We are not far away at all. The season kickoff, the first event of the year, is at Juniper Hill Golf Course in Frankfurt on March 26th and 27th. We've already got quite a few kids signed up for it. If you or your son or daughter is not one of them, we recommend you get in soon. But we're looking forward to getting tournament season officially opened up with that event. And then last thing to note, also coinciding with junior things, is the annual Justin Thomas and Gabe Brewer Jr. grants are now open for application. You can submit an application for these by April 1st. These are for kids who are at least 14 years of age or are in high school. And if you have not yet received a college scholarship, you can apply for them. Basic premise of it is if you want to play college golf one day, but it's tough to get to that point, given the fact that playing in nationally ranked junior events is a very expensive process. If you apply for these grants, they will kindly reduce the cost that it is to play in those events. And we've had a lot of lives changed through this process. There are plenty of testimonials you can find on kyjuniorgolf.org explaining how meaningful these are. But please apply for them. If you know somebody who might be in need of one, spread the word to them. It is essentially free money that the Thomas and Brewer families are essentially providing. So we hope you'll apply and we hope you'll join us in thanking Justin's family and the Brewer family for once again taking part in this process. All right, that is everything I wanted to cover. Let's go ahead and steer in now to our conversation with Darren Nelson. All right, I'm now joined by Darren Nelson, the new tournament director of the Barbasol Championship from Keen Trace Golf Club. Darren, first of all, congratulations on your new promotion and how's 2022 been for you thus far? It's been exciting. I've been on the job here for, I guess, about five weeks. So everybody's been great getting to know, kind of re-engage with everybody here at the golf course, reaching out to all of our sponsors. Um, and everybody's been very engaging. I think people are ready for a big event to be back in the state of Kentucky, um, especially during the summertime when there's not as much going on here. So uh, everybody's excited and I'm, I'm really excited to be in this position. Good. Well, we're glad to have you here. And for people who maybe aren't familiar with you and your work, I thought it'd be good to start off with just kind of an overview on how you've gotten to this point. So if you wouldn't mind, could you share where you grew up and how you kind of gained an interest in tournament golf? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I grew up in a small town in Kansas, actually on a farm. Um, if you've heard of the town, I'd be shocked, but it's called Lins. The name of it's Lindsberg, Kansas. Uh, it's a little Swedish community settled by Swedish um, immigrants back in the 1880s. As you can imagine, golf wasn't a big sport um, in a small town, Kansas. So it's kind of amazing. Uh, I am in my career in this type of industry, but not didn't really grow up around the game until I was kind of late in high school. I had a buddy that 
Um, his dad played, so he introduced me to the game. We had a little nine-hole course there in Lindsberg that we'd go out out and play nine holes sometimes after work. Um, and then fast forward, uh, I went to Kansas State University, got my undergrad, and I got a job at a golf course there in Manhattan. That was my, I guess, first official job in the golf industry. Um, and then on a whim, I, I went to grad school at Wichita State and spent a couple of years there in Wichita, uh, worked in the athletic department. And to fulfill my degree requirements, I needed to find an internship. So I went to the job board one day and they had a posting for an internship down at Disney World in Orlando. I'm like, man, that sounds cool. And it was for a, it was for a year long. So I uh, set up an interview, applied, and uh, actually re and got the job. So I spent a whole year down at, it used to be called the National Car Rental Golf Classic at Walt Disney World. It's no longer there. They no longer host an event there. Uh, but that was my, I guess, first real job in the, in the professional golf industry and really opened my eyes to, you know, what the industry could offer and types of jobs. So spent a year there. Um was out playing golf one day, kind of a side story with one of the other interns. And we got paired with this, I think she was 13 at the time, this 13 year old girl. Of course, we're, we're two 20 uh, something guys thinking, great, we got to play with a 13 year old girl. Well, she smoked us that day and it ended up being Paula Creamer. Mm -hmm. And she was actually there playing a practice round for the AJGA year end um, championship they used to host there at Disney. And that kind of parlayed into, wow, this girl's really good. What is the AJGA? So I started doing some more research once I, once I finished up my uh, Walt Disney World um, internship and learned about the AJGA. For those who don't know, it's the American Junior Golf Association. They run national junior golf events all over the country and all over the world at times as well. So I ended up doing their internship, got hired full time, and then actually spent 15 years with the AJGA based in Atlanta in their home office, and then also in Dallas um, in a regional office for about 10 years. So the 15 years there were, were great. Um, learned a ton, learned how to you know run a budget, how to um, oversee a staff of interns. And so really enjoyed that whole experience. And then in 2019, uh, an opportunity came up to, uh, apply for a position with the PGA tour. And the position was what they call it's underneath the tournament leadership initiative. So it's a program where they bring in um, folks who want to be tournament directors and put you through a pretty rigorous training program. Sometimes, you know, it might be a year, two years, three years with COVID. I ended up being in the program for three years and I was in eight different cities the past three years and helped with 10 different events. So it was on the Corn Ferry Tour, some were on the PGA Tour. Um, it was just a, such a cool experience. Um, one couple of fun events I got to work during that time was the, one of them was the TaylorMade Driving Relief event mm. at Seminole Golf Club there in, in, in Juneau Beach, Florida. Um, it was one of the very first events back after the break, um, you know, when the pandemic hit. So. Got to go down there and help with that one. And then this past November, I was out at the match in Las Vegas with Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. So i um, got to help with that event as well. So it's been a fun three years. Uh, my, my last day with the PGA Tour is actually today. And then I'll transition into uh, a company called Sport 5, which is the company that manages the Barbasol Championship here in Lexington. So 
it's been a long path. It's been a fun path. I wouldn't change it for the world. And it's crazy. You just never know where life's going to take you. Um, but here I am in Lexington in, in 2022. Before we talk more about golf, I do have to ask with you being from Kansas, if you're a Chiefs fan. I am. But that's unfortunate. I'll try not to hold it against you as a Broncos fan, but that, I gotcha. I gotcha. No worries. I'm hoping one day we'll be able to beat y'all again. Could be could be a a few more years though for us. But anyway, with golf, uh, you talked about getting hired with Sport Five and Brian Pettigrew, who was one of the first guests we had on this podcast last year. He's moved on to uh, bigger and brighter things, but. How did how did this open up for you with Sport Five and the Barbasol? Yeah, just talking with the PGA Tour, um, they were always trying to find events for me to go and help out with, where you know I could meet um, you know people running those events, and then also folks who work for some of these management companies that run Corn Ferry and, and PGA Tour events. So one of the events they sent me to was a Corn Ferry Tour event. It was down in Destin, Florida. Um, it was last April of 2021. It was uh, kind of a plug and play event for the Corn Ferry since they didn't bring back their South American events in 2021. They needed to add some playing opportunities for the PJ Tour or for the Corn Ferry Tour guys. So the event didn't return this year, but they sent me down there to help with that one. That was also a, a Sport 5 managed event and got to meet the guys who ran the company. And they said, hey, we've got this event up in Lexington, Barbasol Championship, and we could really use some additional help up there as well. So not knowing Brian was gonna take his new position, which I'm so happy for him and, and him and uh, Melinda to move to Kansas City and, and kind of start this new life there. Um, but, you know, I was here in May is when I, when I got to Lexington, helped with the Barbasol Championship last summer under Brian's leadership as uh, basically an assistant tournament director and then stayed through the fall. And then once the new year hit, Brian had made his decision to move on and, and Sport 5 said, hey, we could use you know, a tournament director here in Lexington. Would you be interested? And I said, absolutely. So I guess it was a little bit of right place at the right time, um, but it just, it, it really worked out. And having seen the event last summer, um, I'm excited about that. So I'm not going in totally blind for, for the event this year. So you've clearly seen a lot of different golf tournaments, both on the PGA Tour and off the PGA Tour throughout your career. What do you think separates the Barbasol Championship from other events? You know, we'll talk about its place in the schedule later on, but I feel like it's been lost in the shadow of the Open for a long time, and hopefully that will be rescinded a bit for 2022. But what's the identity of the Barbasol and what makes it such an appealing event in your eyes? Yeah, I, I think in the state of Kentucky, you know, we're the only PGA Tour or professional golf event here, or PGA Tour event here. Obviously, we're in horse country and I get that. You've got the uh, Keeneland and you've got you know Kentucky Derby and all sorts of horse events going on throughout the spring and the fall. Um, UK Athletics, of course, is, is king around here, as is Louisville Athletics. I'm starting to learn and kind of get the lay of the land. Um, but you know, we want to be that marquee event in the summer in Kentucky. So being the only PGA Tour event in the state and, you know, not as many other events, maybe some concerts here and there. And people, of course, are going to the lake and having fun. Um, but we want to be the marquee sporting event in the state in the summer. So, I mean, this year we're, we're super excited. I think one thing that really sets us apart um, is just our, our tournament field this year. We're, we get 50 of the European tour players, the top 50 will be coming to Lexington. 
So they call the European tour, it's branded as the DP World Tour now. Right. Um, so we're excited for that. Um, it may be, shoot, it may be some guys who've never been to the United States. Um, maybe some um, spent a short time here and maybe played on some of the mini tours over here. Um, but us and the Barracuda Championship, which is the week after the Barbasol, are going to have 50 European tour players. So we're kind of planning right now to put some additional detailed info on our website just to make sure those guys know what airport, airports to fly into and what hotel options there are and all those little things, you know, when you go into a foreign country uh, just to make them feel welcome here in the Bluegrass State. For sure. And let's talk about the field for a second. You alluded to the new alliance with the DP World Tour that the PGA Tour has. So with the PGA Tour now having the Scottish Open as an official event and that being the same week as the Barbasol, what are your predictions for what the field's going to look like? You mentioned the 50 World Tour players, but what's your sense on American players who are going to be in the event as well? Yeah, we think, I mean, the vibe we're getting and all the conversations I've had with the folks, you know, in the competitions department at the PGA Tour, we, we think our, our field is definitely going to be stronger. Um, I think one of the reasons is we do have the final open qualifying spot in the British Open. So anybody that's not already in that event could qualify here at the Barbasol. And also, even if you finish first here, and you're already in the open, then it goes to the second place finisher, and then it goes on down to the top five. So technically, you could even finish in the top five and get into the British if the four guys ahead of you were already in. So we think that's going to definitely attract some some players. Um, you know, another caveat might be, you know, a player that is a big name that maybe didn't finish um, high in the FedEx Cup standings last year in the top 30, and then is outside the top 72, which is the tour's kind of magic number for deciding who can play in the Barbasol. If we get to June, um, right around that U.S. Open time is when they kind of make the cut line as far as the uh, um, FedEx Cup standing, standings and who's eligible to get into the Barbasol. You know, what if a Ricky Fowler, who's 80th right now, can't get into the Scottish and the British and he's sitting here at home in, in Florida looking for a spot to play. So I'm not saying Ricky's going to play, but um, it could be a Ricky Fowler, a Bubba Watson, something like that, who, who is a big name, but maybe just uh, can't get into those two events over in Europe, those two weeks and, and wants to play here in the United States. So it's, it's up in the air. It's hard to predict the future, but again, with, with all the excitement around the open qualifying spot and, you know, also the 50 European tour players coming over, uh, we definitely have uh, felt an uptick in excitement, I guess, for the tournament field and what it could possibly look like. Right. And I was thinking earlier about who are some of those guys that haven't played in the Barbasol in the past and might be there this year. And JB Holmes was somebody who I thought of would be a good possibility since in the past he's been, playing in the open, going overseas, and especially with him being a UK product, it gives him a very rare opportunity to play in a hometown event now. Exactly. Justin Thomas is maybe a bit more of a question mark given the fact he is in the top 10 in the world, and he knows he'll be in the open, could use the prep over at the Scottish, but um, do you think JB is a reasonable assumption to be there and maybe some other Kentuckians who golf fans here are familiar with? I would think so. Yeah. I'm not sure where he falls. JB falls on the world golf rankings or the FedEx cup standings, but uh, he would be a, a prime candidate. I would think, especially like you said, being from the state of Kentucky. So 
we want to see those local guys stay here and play if they're eligible to get in. So that would that'd be great for a, a local flavor at our tournament field for sure. Yeah, and Jared Wolf is another one who I just thought of would be a good possibility given the fact he's new PGA Tour member and just trying to work his way up. So he'll be he'll be somebody I would imagine people are going to see at King Trace this year. Yeah. But with all these changes in the schedule, um, Big Pro, obviously, yes, you were off the week of the Open now. Um, I guess how much more of an improvement in your eyes do you think it will show to be on the same week of the Scottish? One thing I had been interested to see was where the TV schedule would fall for the Barbasol. I was hoping CBS would have the weekend rights for the Barbasol, but they're doing the Scottish, so the Barbasol is still going to be on Golf Channel for the third and final round. But uh, what's this all going to be like now that you're off the week of a major championship and are going to have a bit more of the limelight come the weekend afternoons? Well, um, I think certainly, you know, not being up uh, against the British Open is going to certainly help. I mean, the Scottish Open is a PJ Tour sanctioned event as well. So a lot of the top guys, like you said, with the Justin Thomases of the world, will go over there and play. Um, but I think just back to the open qualifying spot, I mean, we've we've been talking to the RNA, the Royal and Ancient, um, you know, who obviously is the governor of the game with the USGA here in the United States, and they're wanting to do some promotion and some cool things. So they actually are going to have, I apologize, they're not going to have it at the Barbasol Championship. We're a little disappointed, but they were going to have the Claret Jug at all the qualifying events this year. But with us being the week prior, mm. they're not able to get it to Lexington and then I guess get it back over to uh, St. Andrews, um, you know, quickly. So fortunately, we're not going to have the Claret Jug here, but that would have been cool. But a lot of the marketing and promotion, you know, surrounding that open qualifying spot and, and the RNA, they're going to have some folks here on site. We're going to do some kind of unique branding and signage to make sure the fans all know that that position or that spot is up for grabs this week. So I think that's probably the most exciting thing that uh, is new this year and with our new date. Now, is this a, a time slot that you think that the Barbasol will continue to be at going forward. Obviously, there's a lot of coveted real estate, especially in the summertime with the PGA Tour calendar. There are many events that would love the opportunity to be the only event that week, and there's too many for that to be realistic. But do you think in 2023 and beyond, you'll see the Barbasol continue to be in the same spot on the calendar, or do you think it might shift around some more? You know, no official announcement has been made. Um, I think the PGA Tour is, um, you know, likes the Barbasol in this position. Um, the thought is for the European Tour guys, the DP World Tour guys to come over and play the Barbasol. Then the week after us is also the Barracuda Championship out in Reno. Mm -hmm. So those guys that, you know, can't get into the Scottish and the British, the idea is to have the European Tour guys come over to the States and get back-to-back -back playing opportunities. So they're not just, you know, here for one event and then flying back to Europe. They've got two events to play. So I'm not sure what 2023 um, withholds right now, but uh, we like this position. I think we'll kind of see how the tour feels moving forward. But um, if they told us we were back on the same date opposite the Scottish in 2023, I think we would definitely jump at the opportunity again. Cool. Very good. Now for the fans and volunteers who have been involved with the event since it got here a few years ago, what might they be able to expect that's different in 2022? Do you all have anything new lined up that might be intriguing for uh, those people to know? 
We do have a new ticket offering. Um, that's the our main um, kind of, yes, new item we have for this year. But in 2021, we had something called Club 87. Um, it was just open to Keen members, Keen Trace Golf Club members in 2021. We've now made that an all-inclusive uh, shared hospitality ticket. So it'll be um, on 18 fairway and we'll sell tickets for $275. That includes all food, you know, non-alcoholic and alcoholic beverages. And it's a shared space. So you could buy a ticket, I could buy a ticket, and then we share that space and all the, uh, um, you know, seating and there'll be a bar in there. So we had a lot of interest last year and in folks that were calling us, you know, a week or two before the event, wanting some type of all-inclusive VIP ticket. So this is our, our answer to that. So we didn't really have anything like this prior to. So, and also if somebody doesn't want to buy a week long ticket for all four days, they maybe just want, you know, four tickets for Friday or four tickets for Saturday that enables them to do that and kind of pick and choose which day they want to come out and see the event. So we're excited about that. We've already had um, several people interested in that and we're starting to take um, so, some ticket sales in that space. Um, they're also looking to upgrade our military hospitality area. We've got some some great partners we're working with for 2022. Um, we had a hospitality military hospitality area behind hole number nine last summer, and we're going to upgrade that. We may move it over to the right side of nine just so we have some more space to work with over there. Um, lots of ideas being thrown out right now, trying to get some you know military vehicles out there. Can we get a a helicopter out there or something just to really upgrade that space and, and flank that hospitality suite and make sure the you know the the veterans and the current retired military um, are, are aware of that area and just to make sure they have a place to go free of charge um, for the for the event this summer so they'll also bring back our, our family day on saturday um, last year we had you know some bounce houses and some different fun activities for the kids right out here in the front lawn of the, of the golf course. Um, so we're going to bring that back for this year and definitely add a few fun things for the kids to do. And along with that, we'll have the, uh, a lot of the university of Kentucky teams out here. Last year we had the volleyball national championship trophy was out here. And a bunch of the basketball players and football players also came out to, uh, um, just see the event and visit with some of the fans. So that family day on, on Saturday um, is, is one of the more fun days of the week. Yeah, that, that is a good day speaking from experience to be out there. It is a, maybe the best day to be out there. Obviously Sunday is fun for the obvious reasons of the drama and excitement of the golf itself. But in terms of a fan experience, Saturday is a great day to go. So Volunteer applications and ticket sales this year, are they open now or is there a set date in the future when people can expect those to be live? Our volunteer applications will be live on the website by March 10th. So it's coming up here um, in, I guess, just over a week. So if you're interested in signing up to be a volunteer, you can go to barbasallchampionship.com and just click on the volunteer tab and it'll provide all the information to get signed up. Um, we hope to have close to 900 volunteers this year. So we've, we've started the recruiting process and we've had some initial meetings with our volunteer chairs. And um, as you can imagine, it takes an army to run one of these professional golf events. Yeah. So we've got walking scores with every group, um, entering the scores onto a handheld device. You've got the shot link. If you watch TV and see, you know, hey, 
you know, John Daly's 146 yards from the hole. The shot link crew is out there measuring all those different uh, golf balls on the golf course to make sure the fans and the viewing audiences at home have some up-to-date information. And then, of course, many, many other opportunities to volunteer. So um, look for that on the website to go live by March 10th. And we'd, we'd love to get the word out and have as many folks volunteer for this year as we can. Yeah, indeed. Now, kind of moving away from the Barbasol itself, I hate to ask about it, but I feel like it's the unavoidable thing when it comes to professional golf right now to talk about. But naturally, there's been a, a lot of conversation in recent weeks about the Saudi Breakaway League and who might be going to that, who might not be going to that. And a couple of weeks ago, especially, it was just amazing how many players it seemed like there were that were saying, you know, I'm doing this, I'm not going there. Um, as a tournament director, what has it been like from your standpoint watching all this happen? And are there any certain emotions that come with it? Is there like any sense of nervousness, fear, or what's going through your mind as all this plays out? You know, if, for me personally, no, I haven't had any sense of nervousness. I mean, having been a an employee of the PGA Tour the last three years, maybe I was in a little bit of a unique position. You know, I had the chance to to meet Jay Monahan, um, learn a lot about the tour, the things they're doing for their players, the different departments they have as far as a support staff, or whether it's competitions administration or you know, whoever it is within the PGA Tour, there's a huge structure um, based on Ponte Vedra Beach for these members of the PGA Tour that I guess nobody really talks about. And yeah, there's this other tour, the Saudi Tour, but what does it look like? You know, what's the infrastructure of it? Are they just throwing money at guys? I think there's just so many unknowns. Um, and I think obviously guys were looking at that tour because they were throwing tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. So sure. That's going to open any, anybody's eyes. But I think when you dig into the weeds on it all and you see the infrastructure and the history and that, that the PG PJ tour has, I think eventually, you know, even if it would have, the Saudi league would have, you know, run some events and maybe some of the guys would break away and maybe that still happens. I think the PJ tour is in, such good hands with Jay Monahan, Commissioner Monahan. Um, I don't think it's going to have any impact on the long-term success of the PGA Tour. I mean, somebody was saying they had what 17 guys committed at one point. I haven't heard any of those names or had them confirmed. There's talks that maybe this coming week at the players, not at the players, but during the players' championship week, there may be some announcements of some of the players who have committed to the Saudi League. But my gosh, when you guys got like when you have guys like Tiger and, and Justin Thomas and, and Dustin Johnson and some of the biggest names, Jordan Spieth, some of the biggest names in the game saying they're committed to the PGA Tour. Honestly, that's all I needed to hear. So mm -hmm. I think it'll be a flash in the pan. I think it may stick around for a while. Some guys may go over and play, but I, I think long term, the PGA Tour, um, it's just it's, su it's such it's in such a good hands. Like I said, with Commissioner Monahan, I, I don't see it going away anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to hear all these opinions and get these various statements from people. I was listening to Max Homo talk with No Laying Up on their podcast on my way to work today, and he mentioned how if you go play in those tournaments, there's no history or legacy behind them, where with the PGA Tour, you've got years and years of history, and obviously the majors are separate from the PGA Tour running those, but 
if what people are saying is true and you go play in the Saudi league and you're not going to be able to play in the masters U S open or any of the other two, like, I, I don't know how that would be worth it. Cause sure. You'd be millions of dollars richer. I get it. But why, why give that up when you have what is a continual cash cow with a PGA tour and maybe there's just something I'm missing, but I can't understand why someone like Phil per se might be, so critical about the PGA Tours product and how like players are seemingly getting mistreated or having money taken out of their pockets when they've made millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. But no, I don't I don't think there's any immediate fear that there should be with it. I, I certainly don't think that the Saudi League and what Greg Norman had said, I don't think they're necessarily going to back down, but I have a hard time seeing it work. And I I can gather from what you're saying you kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I can see why players are taking a look because money talks. But at the same time, on the PGA Tour, the, the purses are at all-time records. You know, they added that player impact program mm-hmm. in 2021. Nobody really talks about that. The Tour didn't even want to talk about it. It was kind of under the radar program. And right. They announced it, but they haven't announced the final standings, to my knowledge, which I think are supposed to be um, being announced sometime soon. And, of course, they're playing the top golf courses. They have – these sponsors that have been around, I, don't know, I mean, last week, a Honda, that's, I think that's one of the longest running, if not the longest running sponsor on the PGA tour. So like you said, the, the legacy and the, the impact and the history of the PGA tour um, is like nothing else. So to be able to create that with this other league and see it coexist, I, I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I don't see that happening, but I, I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the one other element that I forgot to mention when i made my little tangent just now, but you take someone like Samus Power, for instance, last year's winner of the Barbasol, him winning his first tournament, that's not something you're ever going to see with the Saudi league. And yes, ratings and golf are often dictated by who's up there. If Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, if they're contending for a tournament, naturally the ratings are going to be higher, but there is an element of that meaningful story through someone like Seb Straka, who just won the Honda you don't get that with the Saudi league or at least by the sounds of it, you don't. So if you don't have those stories and you're just kind of getting the same product weekend and week out with history from a golf fan perspective, I don't know how it would work much, let alone how players would feel about it. Yeah. I mean, not to even mention the PGA tour gives more back to charity than all the other professional major professional sports combined. Mm-hmm. So it talks about the charitable impact the game of golf has. So I mean, PGA Tour is doing so many great things, and I, I think a lot of, more of those things will come to light here in the near future too as this um, this other league hopefully slowly fades away, but we shall see. Yeah. So, Darren, to end each podcast, we always do this rapid-fire segment where I've got questions that are a mixture of golf-related and non-golf-related, and you don't need to provide an explanation for any of your answers. You just give me the first thing that comes to your mind. So in your relatively short time in Kentucky so far, what's the favorite golf course you have in playing here? Uh, Champions at Keen Trace. It's the only one I've played. So Okay. We'll have to, we'll have to get you around and uh, make sure you play some of the other ones too. Make sure that you, you don't have any bias in your answers. Right, right. <laughs> uh, favorite golf course you've played anywhere in the world? 
Uh, I just played Band and Dunes about a little over a year ago. So any of the Band and Dunes courses, I would highly recommend. I would completely echo that. Uh, what golf course have you not played yet that you want to the most? Um, the two we've been talking about are, uh, well, Pebble Beach. I'd love to get out there if I can afford it. And then Cabot Links. I think it's up in uh, Nova Scotia. Right. In a normal round of golf, if you have the option, would you rather walk or ride? I would rather walk. Do you have any holes in one in your golf career? Zero holes in one. Who do you think is the better golfer, Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas? The better golfer, Tiger Woods. Do you have a favorite vacation spot in the world for golf or non-golf purposes? I enjoy Scottsdale, Arizona around the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Good answer. And last question, is there anything in particular that you're streaming or binging on Netflix or any of the other streaming services right now? Well, sad to say, I've never seen all of the Harry Potters, and I'm on episode number five right now. We're getting ready to go down to Universal to Harry Potter land, so I'm trying to uh, get all of those watched here in the next week or so. Yeah, probably a wise decision. I, I really don't know a whole lot about Harry Potter, so I imagine that would be critical to know before heading there. But, hey, Darren, I appreciate you coming on here and being uh, very forthright with a lot of the stuff we've talked about here. We're looking forward to the Barbasol, it's hard to believe it's just over four months away. It feels like just yesterday we were out at Keen Trace for last year's edition, but time doesn't stop. It keeps moving, and we can't wait to see what this year's tournament is going to be like. I was excited before talking to you, and I'm even more excited now based off a lot of the things you've said. But we look forward to it, and we're excited to work with you as we lead up to that date. Sounds great, Ethan. Thanks for the time. And I didn't mention tickets do go on sale on May 9th. So that, that's our magic date. And barbasolchampionship.com has all the information on there. So I appreciate your time as well. Mm -hmm.